Stirring the Pot with Drip Kitchen. Alright guys, this week we actually got to talk to our good friend TJ Boric. And he is a welder and fabricator at his own shop called One Motion Garage. And you can check it out on Instagram. Hi, TJ. Hi. Hey, ladies. Hello, TJ. This is, this um, is nice TJ. talking to you um, outside of the racetrack for once. I know, we're all cozy. I wanted to ask you what public library you were broadcasting from. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not my public library. That's just... Um, my public library. That's just my record collection and a couple books. I, I, I know, TJ. I know it was you. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like a big record collection. I um I feel like that's where a majority of my money goes to because I have a problem. At least I'm admitting <laughs> it's a problem. How many would you say that you have? Um, a few thou probably thousand yeah i've i've been collecting since i was like a kid you know like getting them as gifts and stuff so yeah damn to me it's like uh it's like no big deal i just i just like you know i love music so i i have to be around it what's your favorite record oh that's i don't know if i could pick just one probably like uh how do you make a pick out of a thousand (laughs) i know um Taylor, I know that we both enjoy Towns Van Zandt, so it'd probably be not Towns Van Zandt, but he would be up there. Maybe like John Coltrane or James Brown. Okay. You know, I like the I like the funk, that kind of stuff. Anything with like a you know, soul or jazz, I'm cool with that. But I also like like hardcore music and emo stuff, you know, everything. Do you have any Janis Joplin? Uh, wow. I, I actually don't think I do. Wow. I'm sorry. Breaking my heart over here. I thought out of a thou- couple thousand, you would have one of Janis Joplin. I thought, I thought the Towns Van Zandt was a good connection enough. <laughs> When's your birthday? August 2nd. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I should know that. I just wish you happy birthday. Yes. Right. Cool. But y'all just got back from um, a drift event at Kill Care. We did. We just got back this morning about, um, I don't know, 15 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> did you drive through the night? We, we did. did, yeah. We left pretty early in the day, like, I don't know, 11, 11.30. Okay, that's yeah. always a fun drive, right? Yeah, we went through this insane storm and uh, made it, rolled in to my house at like 3 a.m. And then Alexis, you were about 4. Yep. I was going to stay up to watch the sunrise, and then Manny was like, don't even bother. So I was like, all right. <laughs> Did any of you drive? Um, we got to drive our friend Jeremy's car and a couple oh, other cars. Oh, cool. I was going to say, trailering through a storm is always like the worst, most nerve-wracking experience. Yeah. That sucked. Yeah. There, yeah. Were, there were a pretty decent amount of accidents and just stupid drivers. Yeah. Oh, I hope you mean on the road and not at the racetrack. On the road, yes, definitely. <laughs> how, was, how, how was the event? Who's um, who do you who do you like to watch out there? I know when I used to watch videos of Kill Care, it was always um, 
Jeff Stoneback and Magic Mike Pollard, they were always doing great. Uh, Troy Manners was another one that was doing good. And this was this was a long time ago, like uh, Drift Indie, uh, Midwest Drift Union. Okay. And those videos were always great. So I wonder if they changed the layout or the track at all. It's still just like uh, an oval track. Yeah, they have like a track um, inside of it, though, with I think a couple different layouts they could run. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Their event was cool. They had one right after ours. We ended at three, and I think theirs started at, like, I don't know, four or five. Um, But it was cool. Everyone's car is really nice, and it's a little bit different, I think, than most events. Like, they they put a lot of effort into, like, making their car, into the style, which is cool. Sure. That's always nice to see, like, um, a a very nice exterior-wise car. Yeah, coming from someone that's car was ugly for a couple of years, I can definitely respect. Mine, that. my car is horrible. I know. Dude, we showed up to their event last year um, for Drift Kitchen, and our cars were freshly primered. So people probably looked at us like, "Who are these girls?" No, no, that's mm-hmm. fine. At least it's like a you know one solid color, you know. <laughs> Just barely, yeah. sir. <laughs> I always appreciate it when I can tell someone's at least trying, you know? Oh, we're trying. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if, you know, you're still progressing as a driver. And I understand, you know, I couldn't, like, I don't think I could fund having a really nice car all the time because my car usually gets destroyed within a matter of one or two events, you know? Yeah, that's got to be a lot to keep up with, especially if it's being smashed up. Yeah, it's uh, it can it can go from like a, I've seen nice cars last years, and then cars last literally half an event, like a, a single session, and then it's gone. So, so I'm thinking maybe like for those of you, uh, for those that don't know who you are, um since we have a lot of people that aren't from club loose that listen, um, Mm. can you explain like kind of how you got into drifting and how you got into club loose? Okay. Um, so I got into drifting. Well, I think I would say I got into motorcycles first and I I swear this all has some relation. Uh, I, especially with being a metal fabricator. Um, I would always watch those, you remember Discovery Channel would have like biker build off TV shows with like Indian Larry or like uh, Paco and and um, Jesse James and they would all build motorcycles and I loved those shows and me and my father would watch them and I knew I could never ride a motorcycle so I wanted to get a car so I was like yeah drifting is so cool it looks so neat I remember seeing to what i now know as s14s come out of a best buy parking lot street shifting and i was like that was the coolest thing i've ever seen in my life so naturally i ended up with a saturn ion and after that i eventually got a an s13 a little bit down the line and i met lewis sophia around I want to say it was like 2012. He's another Club Loose guy. And he was going to the parking lot events at Club Loose. It was like a Thursday or Friday night. And he would always try to get me to go because we both love drifting. And eventually I just, I never went to a parking lot event or anything, but 
we got my car together enough so it would pass tech. And I think my first event was in 2013, and it was with um, Wesley Harris and Zach Thomas and Louis Sophia. And I just kept going. And within that first year, I was very scared like of that whole realm because seeing the videos on YouTube um, of just how like prestigious Club Blue seemed. <clears throat> and I eventually became a worker. And yeah, ever since then, I've, I've been there. So I, I want to say 2013 is when I started going. Oh, yeah. Which seems like an insane amount of time ago. So long ago. So is the car that you drift now, is that the same one that you've always had? Um, yeah, yeah, that's the same car. That's the same car. Um, the same hatch. Somehow, somehow it's the same one. It's, I've crashed that thing and replaced body panels on it so much. But yeah, it's the same one. Hell yeah, I guess that... that where like being a metal fabricator i guess that comes in handy <laughs> right yeah i've i've definitely like totaled the front end a couple times and i was holding on to an oem structure as long as i could and then you know when you're at the track with like okay so taylor i know you you have like the perfect car right now you still have a ka right yes so you don't have to deal with like turbos falling off the manifold and then like locking up the steering column while you're drifting or anything like that. And I was so frustrated with that. And I decided to go with the tube front because I was just destroying the front of my car, you know, crashing it and dealing with turbos falling off and stuff and all that. So I finally went tube front and I actually love it now. So yeah, the car right now is just a basic 240. It has really good footwork and i it's nice because I get to make all the suspension components myself and, you know, test them out. Like, uh, did you ever put those steering knuckles on that Reese got for you from me? Um, they are still not in. Wow, that's, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little insulted. I'd st- <laughs> I, we can you blame him, be. though, right? What? Yes. We can blame him, though? Yes. <laughs> I mean, <I'd, laughs> I don't want to blame him. My car is just saw it's, it lives in Philly, so... Whenever I see no, him, I get they're that. at like an event or I don't know. There's always something. Yeah, there's there's no, like a ton of stuff I want to do to my car too, and it just <clears throat> I feel like even when the list is short to do things to my car, it still feels miles long. So, but I, get I that. might I might potentially need like a tie rod. Uh, <laughs> he's supposed to check that out. So Trevor said something because I had said that to him. He's like, "Oh, well, if the tie rod's gonna be replaced, he's like, then we better put those knuckles in." <laughs> Yeah, you'll love them. They're so it makes drifting just like you're really good as it is. So you're at that level where it's like, hey, I can I can make a nice steering modification and benefit from it because I actually reached the full potential of my stock car. So I, I think it's time that you put the knuckles on for sure. I know. I'm just so I'm supposed to do the street league in like two weeks, and if they're, I'm just worried that like. I don't know. I'm going to go drive. That's going to be the first time I drive with them. So I don't know. I don't want to be fucking up. Oh, I, I hear you. Like you want to be, you want to drive a car that you're very used to. Yeah. I don't know if it'll like how different it'll be or like if it'll be better or different or if it'll, if I'll be throwing too much angle and just like fucking myself up. <laughs> sure. No, I, I get that. Is that like a competition? Yeah. The U S drift, um, 
the street league that they have. What is oh, that? Oh, like, cool, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Is this your going to be your first competition? I mean, technically, I guess we did stacked forever ago, but I had like driven for what, like, not even a year before that. Sure. Are any of you driving freedom moves at Club Blues? I think I'm gonna go if if I can make it down. I'm gonna go and spectate and just hang out with people. Same. That's gonna be my move too. I think I'm gonna drive fall moves, but freedom moves is like the lines are pretty long because it's a very um it's an overwhelming event with the amount of drivers there are yeah i will not be driving i'm gonna go to the cabin with with the fam oh nice hell yeah yeah alexis i know speaking of like metal fabrication stuff i know are you still doing um like industrial hydraulic work I, i feel like i always used to see you repairing cylinders and stuff like that yeah, I was do I was doing that for about three years and I actually I stopped. I'm trying to like go all in right now on Drift Kitchen with Taylor. Oh that's and, exciting. Uh, yeah. yeah. The uh, commute was getting a, lo- a little long. I moved, so um it was like an hour and ten minutes from my house, so I was just like Did yeah, you I move didn't... in the woods with Kim? Hmm. I did I move wish. in the woods, but like not by Kim. Sure. <laughs> I swear Stroudsburg is like no woods. It's just open just with full of trains. Everything I remember about Stroudsburg as a child was just acres and acres of locomotives. It's because you haven't been to our house yet, TJ, which you are fully invited to. Yeah, I want to come watch uh, a Formula One race with you. I think that would be fun to bother Chet the whole time because you two are Verstappen fans and I'm a Hamilton fan. Oh, I forgot about that. You know what? Yeah. She's like, I'm never mind. Up sign it's it's going to be no Lulu fans allowed right well, in the driveway. It's, I guess, so I'll park in the street, and as I walk up the driveway, I'll just be cheering for Lewis Hamilton. That's fair. I hope you wear, like, a really cool outfit, just like he does. <laughs> yeah, I'll post, it, I'll post a selfie about it on Instagram with, uh, like, a motivational speech behind it. <laughs> I hope you're picking up a water bottle too outside or something. Hey, uh, um, you know it's uh, we could go on and on about. Um, I can make fun of if it makes, Listen, if it makes you feel better, I'm more of a Norris fan nowadays than I am Verstappen right now. Okay, that's cool. I also I'm also um, a Leclerc fan. I, I think he's. I don't know. I think he's pretty good. <laughs> We gotta start picking our future champs, and I I like having my money on that horse right now. Oh, you know who else I like? I like George Russell, and I saw how happy mm-hmm. he was to be oh. on the podium. But I also uh, part of me was like that race didn't seem right. You know, it it, it didn't seem right, but I think they made the right call because I think um, maybe dying for our entertainment, maybe we've outgrown that as society, but. I also do feel like I cried. I'm not going to lie. You can ask Chet. I cried when he got third because yeah. it was just like for him, that meant the world. Look at Lewis and Verstappen. They're like, yeah, whatever. I'm wet. Right. <laughs> and he's like so excited. And did you see nobody sprayed him with the bottle? I feel like they took his I, moment. I thought they that sprayed was, each yeah. other. Lewis sprayed the bottle. Really he wasn't even excited about it. I was like, spray George Russell. Give him a little bit. 
Nobody's afraid George Russell. Anyways, I feel bad for Alexis and Taylor. They're like, this is a drifting podcast. That's true. <laughs> we we are going off topic. But I, I think as far as motorsports goes, I feel like they have, and this will be my last F1 comment. Um, no, I love it. I love it. I'm participating. I, <laughs> I feel like they have all the technology in the world to establish that they're not going to be able to race. So I felt like it was like just giving points away. That's just how I feel about it. And I know I'm a little salty about it, but I guess what can you do? I, did, you, did you sit at home all day just like Chet and Chet decided to just clean the garage after? He was like, well, I was going to go to the shop, but now I'm just going <laughs> to clean the garage. No. Um, See, I was I was out of the art museum, uh, Philadelphia Academy of Fine Arts, but we have Chet and I, Kyle and Will have a group text, and it's I can just watch Kyle and Chet text back and forth, and I could be completely updated on what's happening. Me and you are the same person, then <laughs> we have the same experience at the same time. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Oh, man. All right. Sorry, guys. We'll stop. See you Saturday. <laughs> no, we'll we'll stop about the F1 more. rambles. But, Alexis, are you ever going to do anything with metal work again? Because I know hydraulic work is its like a pretty serious deal, especially serious. making sure polishing those cylinders is like perfect. Yeah, I mean, I really do like hydraulics, but what I'd like to do is kind of more along the lines of what you're doing. Um, I really want to get into learning how to do roll cages. Sure, yeah, it's uh, that has been my life for a while now. I think, um, I want to say I started fabricating in 2016, and I, I always wanted to get my hands into it, you know, and... I was a little selfish at first. I didn't really take it serious until like 2018. And there was just a need for roll cages. And I decided to focus on making at least the best roll cage that I can, you know, and I I love it. I haven't stopped since. So like how, like, did you go to school first for welding? Like how did you, did you just start? Yeah, I actually, I was wrenching on cars first, and a fabricator at a shop I was at left, and I was like, you know what, they're not going to focus on fabricating too much because of that, and they were going to go back to wrenching, but I decided to just start picking up the tools and teaching myself, and I had a couple friends help me along the way, but you can definitely teach yourself. There's so many resources out there, especially literature. I think literature is way more important, and I think it's way more useful than something like YouTube, uh, which is usually what everyone nowadays goes to, right? Because it's so easy. It's like right on your phone. But I think there's value in buying like a like a hard copy of a book and you know, the information is so well known and it's right in front of you. You can keep books in your toolbox. Um, it helps for troubleshooting. And there's even books on, you know, motorsport fabrication, like building roll cages or exhaust systems, anything. So I, I taught myself a lot. I had some friends along the way. There's definitely people I look up to. Um, 
but generally, yeah, there's nothing is going to be just like drifting, you know, seat time, seat time, seat time. It's, it's key. Like it sucks. You're going to cough up your lung a bunch, but it's, it's worth it when you finally start like getting some really nice welds, you know? Yeah. Your welds are beautiful. I can't believe you've only been doing it since 2016. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I touched like the tools a little bit before that, but again, I was, I didn't know like, um, best way to put it i didn't know how blessed i was to be in that position and i didn't take advantage of it fully and when it came to decide what i want to do for the rest of my life which is metal fabrication in motorsports so i was like you know what i really gotta dive all in and i really gotta start caring because i didn't for a while and since then i was just like i'm a pretty competitive person and i want to be the best that i can so Honestly, the biggest competition I had was myself just to get better and better at it. So especially with welding, I think one of the greatest things I've ever heard a fabricator say was, and this might not make sense, but he told me welding should be the easiest part of every job. And that's why I tend to take preparation, prep work very seriously, and I spend a lot of time on it. So when it does come to that point of a roll cage where I have to weld it, it's it's generally the shortest amount of time I spend on a project. I feel like you're also really big on safety too. I mean, especially with roll cages. Obviously, people do like really cheap ones. Yeah, I I really care about that because most people take advantage of the fact that a roll cage is never going to be used, right? Like, when do you ever see a roll cage like really smashed in or really broken like really torn up it's it's rare you you only really see that in bigger motorsports like let's say nascar you know um where they're or or like trophy truck racing where they're repairing tubes like on the racetrack or, or rally cars but there's a real method to how a tube works and how much give a tube has like roll cage layout is so important um just something like how everything meets on a main hoop basically your a pillar tube meets on your main hoop to the down tube that goes to the rear strut tower you see a lot of roll cages where tubes just land everywhere and not at a junction and it might seem okay if you don't know what you're looking at, but to uh, a motorsports fabricator, that's, you know, it can, it can be bad if this situation comes up where it's like, all right, this is a, this is going to be one hell of a ride, you know? And honestly, the roll cages are, they rely on the layout. Welding in some of them isn't even as important as the layout because how energy transfers through tubes and how energy is absorbed through those tubes. So it's it's very, I'd say, honestly, it's more important where a tube lands than the finished weld sometimes, at least for some joints. That's interesting because, I mean, you're right. If I was looking at a roll cage, like I wouldn't be able to be like, oh, that shouldn't be there, you know. <laughs> right. It's like... um. I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, okay, you ever see uh, like a crane, like a giant crane in a city, like hauling beams? 
Yes. So there's a there's a reason why the lattice work on that crane is the way it is because without that that's you know it's going to fail and luckily you know cars aren't near that scale but for safety purposes there still needs to be a layout and you need to follow that layout and it sucks because a lot of people don't know about that and they really just want it to pass tech but for safety purposes, which is always going to be my top priority, it has to, for me at least, it has to follow a certain, a certain layout, a certain rule. I, I won't do anything that's outside of a rule book, and I always try to stick to every rule book um, as much as possible. So yeah, safety is definitely number one for me. How many roll cages do you think you've done? Oh wow. Um, <laughs> A lot. I, uh, I don't know. I couldn't. I don't think I could put a number on it. <laughs> I'd say at least. Oh, I don't know. I don't. At least like thirty. I mean, probably more than that. And do you do them for like all different types of racing, not just drifting? Yeah. Um, total. Totally. Um, anything from global time attack to. Drag cars that have an SFI standard rulebook, um, a rally car with an FIA rulebook, and you have to something like an FIA rulebook. You basically get sent a little weld kit in the mail, and you have to do a weld out on those tubes, and they put it in a machine that stretches them apart, and it basically measures how much force it takes to rip those apart, and you either pass or fail. And uh, some cards you'll have to do like a video walkthrough where you send it in, send the actual video in via email. And just that's basically to make sure that the layout is right, because those sanctioning bodies are so worried about the layout because that's that's how tubes work. Uh, like I said, it's it's crucial for sure. And what racing did you say that was for where you have to test it? That would be for like any kind of rally car with. Um, have you ever heard of the FIA? Yes. Yeah, so they'll different series will have uh different FIA standards and rule books and just like the NHRA with SFI and sometimes you'll see SFI standards on like a transmission bell housing okay. or like a window nets stuff like that. It's all for a level of safety that they want to meet to keep drivers safe. Damn, that's really intense, though. That I never knew that you had to, like, you know, send in evidence, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, with, like, NHRA cars, they'll, they have tech inspectors. Obviously, because drag racing is so huge in America, there are a lot of tech inspectors from region to region. Every state has them. And they'll literally come to your shop, and they'll put dyes onto your roll cage to make sure that you're using the proper tube. They look for layout, you know, they look for well quality. Um, yeah, it's, it's serious. It's like drifting is definitely the least serious with motorsport safety, but that's just because a lot of the sanctioning bodies are essentially DIY. Okay. Like, I guess the only sanctioning body for drifting, uh, that has a standard would be formula drift like if you 
saw somebody selling a shell, they'll they would say like it has an FD spec roll cage. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. So there, that would be like a, a selling point to a car to know that if you do buy it and you do take drifting that serious, you can eventually go drive in form of the drift if you want to do. Now, when you weld your cages, do you weld them um, like doing MIG or TIG? Uh, I do both. I could do MIG or TIG. It's it's really whatever the customer wants. Obviously, I'd say a TIG roll cage takes twice as long as a MIG roll cage because just the position. You know, with a MIG gun, I can lay on my back and use one arm to hold me up, basically, to weld. And my other arm will do the welding. But with the TIG machine, I'm laying on my back. My foot is on the pedal, my left hand is feeding filler rod, and my right hand is holding the torch. So it's it's literally like wrapping your body around a jungle gym, uh, a, a good balancing act. And yeah, sometimes you're, you, you know, with TIG welding, when your tungsten hits the material, everything just goes to hell real quick. Right. So, I'm, just, I'm surprised you don't use one of the thumb controls uh, to do the TIG welding and you're using the pedal. Because when I was doing TIG welding at the hydraulic shop, um, they had me doing the thumb control. Okay. And it was really hard because I have tiny hands. So I <laughs> felt like it was always hard to like turn it down when I wanted to. I, but, they have tiny torches too. They do, but they. I guess they didn't really... Um, provide me um they also gave me like big like man gloves that were really hard to weld in but it's hard gloves are better than no gloves i'd say that for sure whenever i see people welding without gloves i'm like are you crazy like i don't know something something gets me going when i see that i know i feel the same way when i see people welding just like in a t-shirt, just like, eh, whatever. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm very much like the type to, I like, I put sunscreen on, I wear layers. I'm like, I must protect myself at all costs from these poisonous rays. <laughs> I could see you getting ready to weld it like, with like a big splotch of white on your nose. <laughs> <laughs> I have. It's it's nice though, because then you get to smell like the beach for a little bit while you're at work and you're like, all right, this is, it's worth it, you know? <laughs> But I I do like the pedal more because I'm I guess I'm just used to using like uh, my foot for I used to play the drums so that having that independence for my limbs is it's easier for me so I agree I I never liked the um, the hand controlled torch I'm sure if I used it enough I would be able to be comfortable with it but usually I'll do something like um, like, if I'm welding the top of an A-pillar tube, I'll lay on my back in the car, and then I will have a stand right outside of the car, or a piece of wood inside of the car that I balance the foot pedal on. And okay. that way, I, I can just try to be as comfortable as possible. Oh. If, if like... you're not comfortable welding, it's going to be a nightmare. So, I take a long time to make sure I'm comfortable. It's like, you know, going to bed. You You want to feel good. I was going to say, I feel like there's only a couple ways to feel, or not very many ways to feel comfortable while you're, like, laying in a in a car like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Especially toward the end of it when you're doing the final weld on everything because some roll cages, like, I did a 350Z roll cage before for Global Time Attack, and 
I did a root and a cap on every joint. So that's welding everything twice around. And that was, that was exhausting, but it, I learned, you know, I learned a lot, just, it pays off taking the time to be comfortable because you'll, you'll spend less time welding and less time being frustrated. What is your favorite car that you've done a roll cage in? Ooh, I think, I think BMW E36s and E46s are just dreams for roll cages. It's like, it's almost like BMW knew that people were going to use them in motorsports. So they made everything very like, I'm not saying they did this on purpose, obviously, but when you do a tube layout in one, it's very simple and you can fit tubes so tight. I usually weld my tubes to the a pillar itself when i do e36s and e46s because they just seem to land there and everywhere that there is a landing let's say if it's um the main hoop or the a pillar or the down tubes it's just it's very straightforward it's not complicated and it, that makes it really fun because you could just blast through a roll cage Now, I guess, um, in the contrary, like, what's the least favorite car that you've had to put a roll cage in? (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, probably a 300ZX with T-tops. Do you know that car? I do. Yeah, those are, those are just, ugh, it's, it's frustrating because the T-tops make it so annoying, especially when the customer is like, yeah, I'm using these, so it's going down. And I'm like, ah. You try to persuade them a little bit to maybe, you know, let's keep them on there forever just so you can make the A-pillar land really nice. But, yeah, you got to give the customer what they want, too. So you have to learn how to give and take, too. So I would say Nissan 300ZX with the T-tops or, like, a 370Z. Okay. Um. Now, like, besides roll cages is there like anything else that you do for fabrication rise or oh yeah i love i love sheet metal work i love making so there's a car i'm working i was actually working on today that's one of our big projects um it is a e30 rally car and the customer wanted to specifically keep this car and it was just a rusted out nightmare. I literally had to remove the entire firewall from the car and both floor panels, passenger and driver side. So by the time you cut all of that out and the entire car gets sandblasted, you're left with nothing. And it's pretty, pretty intimidating looking at just a completely open space. But I learned to love doing that because you pretty much have creative freedom and sheet metal work where you get to use all sorts of dyes and you get to really make your own, like literally I made my own transmission tunnel in the car. I made my own floor pans, the entire firewall we made. It's, it's fun. I I love doing that, but we also do like, I can put, um, have you seen Chris Knapp's, uh, from East coast drift school and club loose, his, E46 with um, the EcoBoost motor. Is that what he just competed in the Gambler? Uh, no, no, he didn't do. That. Never mind. Ignore that. I know. But that it's, his, it's his purple car, and he has a Ford EcoBoost motor in it. 
So I put the motor in that car. I did the roll cage in it too, but yeah, I love doing I love doing foreign motor swaps, like just things that people wouldn't think of. So I love putting Honda motors in things where things need or the chassis needs um, custom motor mounts. That's always fun. Um, I can do full exhaust systems. Um, any bracket work is always so much fun for me because I, I like making things look very clean. I like making everything very user friendly for the driver because it's very frustrating. I'm sure you, you know, Alexis, when you're trying to diag something on your car and you have to climb through a roll cage to get to it. That's always fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I like to I like to do stuff where it basically makes the driver's life easier. And if I can accomplish that through metal fabrication, I think that's a win. Cool. I feel like but I need to come down and learn from you. <laughs> you totally can. I, I also like uh, aluminum stuff, too. Aluminum's always fun. That's always like, um, that seems like a scary world for some people. But I, I love doing that, like charge piping or uh, radiators, custom intercoolers. That's always fun. Now, do you do, is it aluminum MIG or aluminum TIG that you do? Aluminum TIG. Okay. Um, aluminum MIG, do you mean like a spool gun aluminum? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've never used one, but I always saw them, and I was like, that seems like it's a lifesaver. Have you ever used one? Um, I haven't. I tried doing aluminum TIG um, at the first, first hydraulic shop that I worked at. Um, one of the guys that worked there just decided to... Um, you know, buy a welder. And that was really cool. It was weird because I felt like, I guess like the best way to describe it that is that the weld seemed like goopy. Sure. Um, so that was like a weird thing to kind of get used to. Yeah. The, the, the puddle is like very, um, if the balance on the machine is even, well, I'd say machine settings with AC current aluminum is so, significant to the outcome um it's very delicate and especially when you have things like porosity that could easily be introduced to the weld puddle um yeah it's very delicate process because you're watching that puddle and it's it's like literally shaking under the torch and you're like ah should i add now should i move it like so i i totally understand welding's so cool (laughs) It is. It's so cool. It's so fascinating. I I always tell my friends it's like I feel like um I feel like, like some sort of like god with like lightning coming out of my hand and I'm like, "Yes, I am getting control right now. This is fun." For real. You know who else is a really good welder is Taylor Whitmore. Really? <laughs> no, I mean, I've tried it a couple. I tried it when she worked at the first weld shop. I had okay. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It's fun, right? Yo, you should see her first welds. They're, like, really good. I'm just like, damn, okay. She's she's <laughs> never mentioned this to me before, and we've hung out plenty of times, so. <laughs> wow. What did you say, Kim? I said, wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like Kim, I feel like Kim's missing out because we're not talking about Formula One. I know. I was like, I don't even want to be on this podcast. We're not going to talk about Formula One. well i guess a lot of the components on formula one cars are you know have extreme metal fabrication so Mm -hmm. if it's anything if it's worth anything those cars have been through 
so many years of development through metal fabrication, which is like, I don't know what metal fabricator wouldn't want to, or any motorsport enthusiast wouldn't want to eventually be on one of those teams, you know? You know, I thought about that. I was like, I wonder how, I wonder how you, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to do it because like, especially, I'm sorry guys, this is the F1 podcast. Just, just because (laughs) TJ. Um, but just because like the pressure of how quick they are, especially with the Red Bull team, I'm sorry, but obviously they're renowned for their pit stops, but like, it's just too much pressure. Like I would fuck up the wheel. I'd be the asshole tripping with the tire. Like, wait. Oh, right. Yeah. That's even like you're like standing in front of an F1 car coming at you at like 40 miles an hour. And it's like, oh, I have to put this up on jack stand in like a second, like. Yeah, it's scary. But yeah. there's, there's so much behind the scenes work, too. Like, every time a car comes into the garage, they are taking oil samples from it. Like, they're doing everything. There's, they're running, like, a hundred different computers on it. It's so cool. There's so many jobs out there for people to eventually be on a Formula One team. It's it's a wild world. Do they just have, like, I saw that, like, what was it? I was going to say, do they just have, like, a bunch of pit crew? Like, one person's in charge of a specific thing? Um, yeah, they've I, got like tons of people. Yeah, it's it's literally like it's literally like um, a Metallica size spectacular with like you know stage crew. That's like the amount of people they need to like work on one car, and then most teams have two cars, so they literally pull up with like. I feel like I've seen Red Bull. They have like their own bar and like restaurant that they just pop off a trailer and like everyone goes and huddles in before races and stuff. Like they have everything. I think I think Club Blues needs to take a few notes here. We yeah, want a Monaco. I, we, we're doing pretty good. We're we have like a you know we have a shanty mansion and we have a sneaky Pete's. We need a Monaco moves. It's all F one <laughs> themed. We pretend it all be. Filthy rich for one weekend. Oh gosh, I think I think the guys and gals would be pretty pretty opposed to that. But I know our core group of F one friends there would be pretty down. I don't know if Chet would be down. We could all wear fur coats and big fake jewels and drink wine and take selfies together and then post it with uh, an uplifting status like Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, all we could we'll pick up recycling for that falls off the bleachers. Get yes, photos of that. Yes. Who who did that like this a, year? Um, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, he did that. That was nice of him. I like that. I like seeing when you know the drivers like you know they care a little, you know, because they don't have to. They're they're in no, their own world. No, he doesn't have to. He's making millions of dollars just being himself. Exactly. Yeah. So he didn't need to do that, but I like that he did that. I found out that the safety car driver makes four to six million dollars a year to safety car drive. Damn. Damn. I was like, wow, he doesn't even really have to get hurt if he doesn't want to. He's the safety car driver. Y'all should go to a fire extinguisher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a really important role too. I don't want to do. What's that? guy caught on fire last year, last uh, last season, or maybe yeah, last beginning. Yeah, oh, of this when season, he, last he went through he went through the barrier. Yeah, Romain Grosjean. Yeah, what was that like in Bahrain or Abu Dhabi or something? 
Yeah, it was some. I want to say it was like Saudi Arabia or whatever. Yeah, one of the Middle East races. It all looks the same. Yeah, (laughs) there was sand everywhere. Um, I don't know. That was a horrifying. Um, That was a horrifying uh, wreck to watch. He gained my respect though, because you know he had been kind of known as the little bitch of F one, and you know what? That's what it took—one fireball, and it's like you know what? We respect you. (laughs) You almost died, and you. That I was ass. reading. I was reading something recently that America—that's like their favorite Formula One driver—and he's not even driving in Formula One right now. But it happened because he survived that wreck, and Americans are like so, you know, like yeah, crashes. That's awesome. He survived. <laughs> Woo! America loves fire. We really do. It's true. Uh, we need to get at the racetrack one of those. Like, ever go to a monster truck rally and see that like Robosaurus Rex? Yeah, those are so sick. We need one of those. That would be cool. Honestly, we have like a pretty good laundry list of things that would definitely improve. A Monaco moves, <laughs> a, a dragon. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be really fun. Now I feel like we're talking about F one a lot again. That's okay. Meanwhile, I'm like, I want to talk about welding. <laughs> oh yeah, let's talk about welding. Did, did Alexis? Do you have like a welder at home or anything? I don't. I'm going to steal Taylor's. Taylor has a welder? Um, It was my dad's, and I don't know if it, like, works or anything. I've never tried it, so. You know, you have a friend named TJ that could easily help you out there. Or Alexis could, too, I'm sure. Yeah. I feel like we just need to, like, get out and, and do it. It's on the list. Yeah, motivation's pretty hard to find, especially when you're balancing something like the Drift Kitchen, so I, I imagine that's pretty tough. <laughs> Especially when we're both just, like, we have so many things that we want to do and going on that it's hard for our brains to focus on just oh, yeah. We're walking disasters. <laughs> I thought about it this weekend. I was like, wow, I can't believe, like, we ran another successful event when our whole entire lives are in shambles. <laughs> no, no, y'all are doing great. Y'all are keep up, keep up the spirit, keep up the momentum. You're doing oh, yeah. great. But it would be cool, you know, what kind of welder is it? Is it like a MIG welder or a TIG welder? Uh, it's a MIG welder. I don't know, like, much else about it, to be honest. It's just sitting on the shelf. Sure. I would say, I mean, that's awesome. But I, I think if I was recommending anything to anyone, it would be to take a plunge into a TIG welder. Because then you can weld carbon steels versus something like, um, you can... You can weld stainless or aluminum, too, you know? I tried that once at Alexis's, um, the first place she worked at, just, like, one time. That was hard. That was, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> you're, using, you're using multiple limbs at the same time. So it's it's definitely, when I remember the first time I used it, I was like, there's just no way I'm ever going to be remotely okay at it. And I still don't feel like I'm okay at it, but I try, so... That's There's my some, favorite type. Yeah, for sure. I I think, obviously, MIG welding, like MIG-like TIG welds are my favorite, but I also love aluminum work because it's so daunting. Like, it, you have to, everything has to be perfect, from preparation to something like gas flow or cup size, you know? Hell yeah. I miss welding a little bit. 
When was the last time you welded? It was at your old job. Yeah. Um. The last time I welded was May. So only a few months. But I feel like you lose it so quickly if you're not doing it all the time. Like, um, I didn't really do it as much at the second place that I worked at because sure. the fir- the first one that I worked at, like, I came in as the welder. So I that's all I was doing for you know. 10 12 hours a day every single day um and then like i didn't do it for solid like year and i was just like oh i forget how to do everything (laughs) right you were welding on those hydraulic cylinders yourself yes that's probably pretty horrifying because i imagine those cylinders are around so much like grease and oil that they probably are a nightmare to weld um they are uh you pretty much have to like some of those you gotta like heat up everything uh um, sure. just to get like every little tiny bit of oil out and yeah. i like, i hate the torches i don't know what it is about torches i hate running the torches i'm always afraid i'm gonna like blow myself up and like uh. what running like a tig torch no like the oxyacetylene oh yeah when you're trying to clean out like the craters because I, I feel like yeah. With the hydraulic cylinders, it's those cylinders uh, start off in a perfect world completely smooth. And then I guess what happens? Like debris gets into those cylinders? Uh, it can be anything from like um, if they get bent, like the rod gets bent, um, that can like cause stuff to like scratch up the inside of the cylinders. Um, if you like blow out a seal sometimes, uh, we've had them like come in because they got like hit by um we had one for like the electric company come in and like a wire hit it so like it was oh all my like, gosh. out and stuff like yeah we've seen some like super wild stuff i don't really know if i was supposed to be welding on these things though <laughs> but, like, <laughs> i was <laughs> um, hey i mean did you finish the job i did and, and i passed, only right i only had one yeah they um they had like this machine that um you had to test every single one of them at like anywhere from two to 7,000 PSI. And all of mine have passed so far, except for one that I did. And um, yeah, so I feel like that was pretty good. That's a really good scorecard. Yeah, not bad for someone who is like kind of self-taught. Sure. I mean, I, I think some of my favorite metal fabricators out there, like guys that I watch religiously, there are, I want to say they're all self-taught. I, I really don't know too many welders. Well, I know more welders than fabricators, right? Because fabricators are, they're always making and they're welding. So those seem to be the self-taught people. And the strictly welders seem to be like the people that go to school. Yeah, that makes but, sense. Yeah. So I follow a lot of people on Instagram that are, Mainly metal fabricators, which welding just falls with that. What are uh, some of your recommendations for anyone who's listening and might be interested? Oh, as in fabricators to follow? Yeah. Okay. Um, my all-time favorite metal fabricator, his name is Frank Flurkin, And his last name, I believe it's spelled F-L-E-U-R-Q-U-I-N. He is just, he's a a TIG welding machine. Um, 
he builds trophy trucks and his welds are so beautiful. His prep work is so beautiful. Everything he does is like, it's literally a work of art. He's, he's been doing it his whole life and it, it can show for sure. Um, another person I would recommend is Scott Kell. His Instagram name is Alloy Studios. And I think another person that's just all around amazing would be Mike Wagner. Um, his Instagram, I think, is called Cornfield Customs. And he, I follow him for his sheet metal work. He can literally make an entire car out of a flat piece of steel or aluminum. And he makes all these custom dies and tools for himself. I, I think um, the best metal fabricators make a lot of their own tools because they find themselves in situations where they just can't get a hold of something to finish the job. So their ingenuity and creativity lead them on some sort of path to get to that end goal, you know? And I think that's amazing. I think that makes like the best fabricator. And especially when they weld really good too, I think that's, that's amazing. So I think those three for metal fabrication would be the three to go to for me. Cool. And where can people find you and your shop? Okay, so my shop's name and Instagram handle is at One Motion Garage, and my Instagram is TJ underscore Borek, B O R E K, and that's where you're going to find most of our fabrication posts. Cool. Which, you know, we're all friends on there, so that's cool too. All right, Taylor. It's that time. It's that time. All right. Uh, my Whitmore Weekly Wisdom this week is to always choose quality over quantity in whatever aspect of life that may be. Very nice, Karina. I like that. Thanks. <laughs> quality is so important, and that totally relates to metal fabrication, too. It's quality over quantity. I felt like that one fit well with you. I made that it one with does. you. It does. <laughs> I am, like, full-blown, like, I'm always preaching, like, just take your time because the end result will be so much better and it'll be so much it'll be worth a lot more too you know yeah and i think that's you like even though i don't know you might spend a little bit more for like quality like you said to me you said to me one time like roll cages are all about safety and if it's cheap cheap job it's not going to do its job so that's true it's it's i'm i preach that all the time because even though you'll most likely never have to use a roll cage for what it's made for, thank God. If you do have to, it's like you should feel, you know, you should have trust in your car. And that's actually something Reese taught me. If you can have full confidence in your car and you don't need to worry about it, then you can drive your face off. Yeah, I feel like that's really good advice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Aja, how'd you do the Whitmore Weekly Wisdom? He just goes away. <laughs> Wait, the Whit the Whitmore Weekly Wisdom? Yeah. Do I have to make a saying or something? No, I'm just saying what I should have had you do it because that was that was wise in itself. Oh no, you you nailed it right off the bat because <laughs> I, I feel like people forget about that quality over quantity, right? Because they just want to go and have fun. But you ever like? I'm sure we've all done it, and I've done it too. I've like sacrificed quality just to get to the track, and then it backfires, and then I'm doing the job twice. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, or like, I don't know, doing way too many events in a season when I should just focus on a select few. I feel like Manny's right there chuckling listening to that. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he just came in the room. <laughs> It's 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 easy to get burnt out with drifting. It's a lot. Yeah. Never getting burned out. I feel like this weekend energized me. Like motivation wise? Yeah, ready to go. <laughs> who are uh who are some drivers that y'all like to watch? Like, um from male our, or female. Like from our events or just like um like pro drivers kind of thing. In general, it, Pro, Pro-Am, Pro-2, Pro-Spec, or Club Loose, or local events, anywhere. Ooh. I've heard you I've heard you all mention Kelsey Rowlings before mm-hmm. on the uh, Nate Hamilton episode, and I thought that was cool because we got to hang out with Kelsey when we were down in Florida for a Pro-Am event, and I loved her dad so much because he was like, he was telling me he was from my neighborhood in Philadelphia, and I was like, wow, this is a small world. Hell yeah. He's, he's like on her, he's like her pit crew, right? Yeah, he is a machine. I love that man. Hell yeah. But as far as drivers, um, I don't know. I can't. I, I feel like we should be able to name a few, but. I really like watching, there's this girl down in um, New Orleans. Her name's Melanie Richards. Okay. I love watching her drive because she's just so aggressive. I just like the style of her driving. Um, Does she have an SR20? No. Um, I think it's a VQ. It's a. Okay. Yeah, she's in a. Yeah. Yeah. VQ. Um, that's funny because I also think of like Abby and Bethany who are also in Z's. <laughs> yeah, Bethany got really good too in her Z. Yeah. I love her and her husband. They're a good team together. And I really like watching Tim drive. I know that's really Tim random. John's Rudd? Yeah, so when I went to one of the advanced clinics, um, I think it was like maybe two years ago, they worked on us with entries and they had like a bunch of the A group guys go out to try to show us a good entry. On oh, I remember I got yelled at because one. I did a big entry on that and I wasn't supposed to. And then Petty scolded me for that. I think he scolded everyone. Like no one got it right. And then Tim went out and did it. And um, I had sat with him for a couple of runs too. And just like that helped me a lot. Just like watching how he drove. Yeah, he is one of the smoothest drivers I've ever watched. I've he's he's probably one of my biggest influences as far as drivers go. He's he finds a way to get out of any bad scenario and just walk away like, yeah, that's just me. I just do it really good. Like I'm really great at drifting. Oh yeah. What about you, Kim? Who do you like watching drive? Chet. Oh, she's muted. Really? <laughs> do you know who? <laughs> do you know who is really cool? I had like a really profound answer. Um, no, Chet. Obviously, Chet's a great driver. But if I didn't have to pick that, um, I would say Julian Jacobs was really fun to watch drive at Eton. Okay. Yeah. Because. He had those backwards entries, like, down, right by tree turn. Oh, yeah, that was fun to watch, for sure. 
Yeah, and then we got to watch Marley do it for like a half hour. <laughs> Marley's also uh, a great driver, too. That was really cool to he see is. him drive a gambler. Yeah, he's great. Marley? Um, I think uh, another person who's like, if if we mention Marley, uh, I have to mention the most unsung drift hero in the world, and I, I still think he's like, for sure, one of my biggest influences of driving, Wes, Wesley Harris. Oh, yeah, Wes is a great driver. Wes is such a dialed machine behind the wheel. Even when his car, he'll come back to the pits and say his car is running like crap. And you wouldn't even be able to tell because his lap was so flawless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another so I- one to mention, probably Rich Whiteman. Yeah, Rich is great, too. I love driving with Rich. We haven't driven together in a long time, but he was always a fun one to drive with, too. I like seeing yeah, Tim drive. Oh, I like seeing him drive. I do. I love seeing you drive. You like seeing me boop tires and stuff? It's real fun. Now that I've driven a Miata, um, I am definitely like have so much more respect for the Miata boys. Oh, those short wheelbase cars with really low horsepower? Hell yeah. They're a lot of fun. They're so much fun. That's how I feel about Corollas, because they are just, you have to stay so busy, and you have to be used to driving really busy, and there's something to be said about that. It's it's really cool to watch them. I had a blast driving in Jeremy's car this past weekend. I don't want to say that was, like, the most fun car I've driven, but... She ripped it, dude. Probably one of the most fun cars I've driven. (laughs) What kind of car was it? A Miata. I don't know. Oh, really? Yeah. Was it just stock? Stock power? Yeah. I think stock power. I think he said he had uh, an angle kit or some sort of angle on it. Yeah, he's got uh, lower control arms and drop knuckles. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I always love... um... Mark D'Amalia and Justin Cottrell or uh, Theo, they're them and Miatas is so much fun to watch. It was funny. It was like I knew I wasn't going fast, but I felt like a damn bullet. Like I felt like I was. They're so nimble. Really fast, fucking small thing. And it was, I don't know, it was really cool. My very first tandem lap I ever took was with, uh, he doesn't drive much anymore, but he was like the Miata king at one point, Dave NJ. He, it was with him and Jeff Stoneback, so it was like the most awkward tandem lap ever. It was Dave in the front, me in the middle, and Jeff Stoneback in the back. And it was basically just Jeff eating the both of us down, because it was when he had his V8 S14 car that he did like Pro-Am in, and um, that was a lap I'll never forget for sure. (laughs) I can picture that. You guys running laps pretty much. Yeah, that was, uh, that was like, that was a wild time. I missed that. <laughs> thank you, TJ, for coming on, though. Oh, thank you. Thank you three for having me on. It's been such a pleasure. I love the podcast so much. I think next week I am going to head to Philly for a couple days, so you should probably come by. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a big hang. We'll big, do a big group hang. All right. Sounds good. I'm going to yeah, pick your brain at the next event. Yeah, please do. Any metal fabrication questions, drifting, let's 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 do a bunch of talks. All right, cool. All right, I'll see you guys at Freedom Moves. All right, thank All you right. so much. You're Bye. welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Yeah. Good night. Good night.
right. See you guys next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>